Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a podcast by Practical E-Commerce. What is going on, Internet? Eric Panholtz back again with another e-commerce conversations. Hope all is well on the other side of the internet, on the other side of the internet for me. JP, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Eric? Uh, doing all right. Pro Teeth Guard. ProTeethGuard.com, man. Yeah, that's right. Kind of an interesting e-commerce product. We sell custom-fitted dental mouth guards for people who grind their teeth when they sleep. Dude, I cannot think of many businesses that would be more challenging than what you do. Uh, I think you're right in the sense that it did take... So this year is 2022. We started in 2012. So we're coming up on 10 years of running this business. And yeah, it's definitely taken a lot of kind of ironing things out and getting all of the processes right and getting all the people trained. It's a very high touch business. So our product is not like, you know, I, I listened to Moise Ali selling native deodorant. He's like, you know, we had like 10 people when we hit hundred million or some crazy number, right? Like he's like, if you have more than 10 people in, in your business, you know, you should be doing like $5 million per employee. We are at nine employees and we are, you know, just over a million in revenue. And I listened to him and I'm like, well, we need all these people because we have a high level of customer service. We send an impression kit to the customer. They take an impression of their teeth. They send the impression kit to us. We custom manufacture the mouth guard based on individual impressions. And then we send the completed product. And then we have, you know, adjustments, a one-year warranty on all of our products and a 60-day money-back guarantee that you know, all requires customer service. Yeah. I mean, like when I sell a product, I can produce one product and sell it to tens of thousands of people. You've got one product to sell to one person. I mean, it's a completely custom mouth guard. Like it's not any kind of like to me, like just the challenges of building one off seems like really difficult. And and it's not even like, you know, I, I know some other people who will do like laser engraved, you know, knickknacks. And, you know, that, of course, is still custom, but not to this extent where you have the multiple touch. How many of the customers kind of like drop off in that in-between stage where you send them an impression and then they never send it back? That's a good question. It does happen that a lot of people, you know, sometimes they get the impression and they wait like six months before they send it back. The proportion that like just totally don't show up, I think, is actually quite small because our product is you know, not cheap. Um, the average price is like 170 something dollars. So I would say less than 10%. And then we also have, you know, the 60 day money back guarantee. So our return rate is like low single digit percentages. Yeah. I would just imagine that like, cause we just rebuilt our website and you did too. And I just think about like decision fatigue has been on my mind lately. And it's like, every mm -hmm. step of the process is like a step that they fall down. Like I assume you get paid before you mm -hmm. send out the impression kit. So like you've kind of been made whole already. Yeah. 
I mean, that also worries me a little bit. Like, what if sales drop off and all of a sudden, like everyone who's ever ordered from us decide on the same day, right? <laughs> like to send all of them back. And then we're like, oh, crap. Now we got to incur all of this cost to manufacture every single one that wasn't sent back earlier. Obviously, very unlikely scenario, but we do keep that in mind and you know, make sure we have the cash flow and operational kind of have to support you know, everything that we've sold so far. So speaking of like that kind of situation, the downside of our business is it's very high touch. The upside is it's kind of, um, I think it's called like a negative cash conversion cycle. So basically like we get paid first and then we incur most of the cost of manufacturing the product. Whereas a lot of e-commerce businesses as, as they scale, they need to push more cash into inventory. It's kind of an opposite problem for oh, us. Yeah. That is pretty interesting. I never thought about that before. Uh, almost like, you know, like an advanced drop shipper to a certain degree. Yeah. Now, one thing I did, so for those listening, JP and I are in a mastermind. So I know a little bit more about his business probably than most people. But when he rolled out his new website a few weeks ago, he asked me to kind of go through the paces and give some feedback. And I tried his 24-7 chat support, the little chat support. And I asked some questions that I thought, would probably stump it. I either I had low expectations. I thought maybe it would be a bot and then uh, or maybe they just kind of take notes and send it off to the appropriate person. But what I found was they answered my question, you know, knowledgeably and quickly and on the spot. And I just wanted to talk about like how do you build that system to have, you know, cuz this was like 10 o'clock at night that mm-hmm. I was doing this. I just had really low expectations for like good service then. How do you build a 24-7 chat support team and what does that look like and how do you train them up so that they can handle those very technical questions about your product? Yeah. So that's really interesting. We can't take full credit for that. We got to give a shout out to Helpflow, which is the third-party service that manages our chat. And it's run by an entrepreneur who's very, very process-driven. And we were one of their first clients, like way back. It must be like... I would say like seven years ago, something like that. So we've been with them for a long time. And the way that they do it is, you know, you build up an internal FAQ for their team. So, you know, we took all of the questions that we got through email, through phone calls, we built that internal FAQ, sent it to them. And then every time that they have a chat interaction where they don't know the answer, they will forward it to us. But then when we respond to the customer, they are BCC'd. So they're like copied on that email and they will update their internal FAQ so that they get better and better over time. And as a result of being with them for seven years, most of the questions that they can answer remotely has been documented. And so that, that's why I think you know they know our product pretty well. And yeah, I'm glad you had a good experience. Yeah. How long would you estimate that it would take for them to scale up to be able to handle the majority of questions that come in? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like 80% of the questions you should be able to put together a list, right? Like based on your previous customer, like support tickets and things like that. So, you know, it might take them a few months to get the other, like there'll never be 100%, but maybe they'll get to like 90% in like three to six months Mm -hmm. is my guess. Okay. And then have you seen that drives conversions? I assume this is not an inexpensive solution. Right. So yeah, I mean, they have... The good thing about them is they service multiple e-commerce stores, right? So I believe, I I don't know 100% for sure, but I believe most of their chat agents are overseas. 
maybe like based in the Philippines or something. So they can have a full-time employee that's relatively, you know, affordable and they split that employee across multiple stores so that they're not just handling your store. So from a cost basis, you know, they can achieve pretty good efficiency. For us, they report on this interesting metric called chatted revenue. So they put in tracking to say, hey, this customer chatted with us and then converted. You know, obviously some of them who chatted with them probably would have converted anyway, but the chatted conversion rate is like astronomically higher than the people who didn't engage with chat. So I think it's like almost like, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but something like 10 times higher yeah. in terms of conversion rate. Yeah. And I would, uh, you know, like there's always going to be those kind of like, I don't know if this is the right term or not, but like self-selecting biases where someone who chat is clearly going to be one of the more engaged, more likely mm-hmm. to buy a customer, as you already mentioned. But beyond that, like just thinking like better customer service is better customer service. So it's mm-hmm. like you kind of give a good opportunity and sometimes you just kind of have to do things because, you know, that's your mission or your core values or what you believe in. And less about, you know, the actual, is this helping or not? So do they charge per ticket? Is that how they do it? Or is it like a monthly retainer fee? Yeah, it's a monthly retainer fee. I think it scales based on the volume of your website. Yeah. Okay. I think it works out to a couple of dollars or chatters or, or something, maybe less than that. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about, it seems like you have a very good knack for finding online solutions to automate and improve and efficientize that's i don't know if that's a word but it is now (laughs) (laughs) your business so one of the things that we talked about that i learned from you recently was it conversion clicks is that what it is no what's that uh where where you can watch someone shop your website oh uh conversion crimes Ah, conversion crimes yeah so walk me through what conversion crimes is how it works and how you've been able to utilize it to improve your website okay great yeah so conversion crimes I actually met the founder through the Dynamite Circle, which I think both of us are also in. It's an entrepreneur community. So basically, it's a service where they... It's like user testing, right? Where someone will go to your website, someone who is your target audience. So there's some pre-selection because if someone doesn't need a night guard, if they go through a website, it won't make sense. So they do some pre-selection for the target audience, and then they record their whole interaction with your website with a specific set of steps and cues. Like, for example, the first step may be, hey, you just landed on this page, like scroll through, don't click on anything. What is this page about? Right. So that tests whether or not your landing page or your homepage conveys clearly what your, you know, what, what your brand or your website or your product is about. So we actually use them twice. So before our entire website update, we ran a set of conversion crimes tests, both on mobile and on desktop, so that we could discover like what were the points of friction and what was unclear and what was, you know, areas where like people were confused. So we took those recordings and actually sent it to our UI agency. When they were designing the new website, they took some of those notes and addressed some of those limitations. And then after we did the new website and it was published live, we also did another set of conversion crimes tests on mobile and desktop and discovered, you know, any kind of issues or points of friction. So as a very concrete example, one of the things that we figured out was people like we have four products and they're kind of similar. It's like four different custom night guards and they're different like thickness and material, like different hardness. 
And it's hard for people to like figure out which one they want or which one they need. So since then, we've integrated like a quiz that helps you pick, like based on, you know, certain symptoms and things like that will recommend, you know, the best product for you. And that quiz has gotten, you know, a really high level of engagement, actually, since we published it. Do you have people buying multiple guards like for the day and for night or? Um, I think it's rare. I, w- I would say it's probably less than 10% of the customer base. Mostly people buy two because like, you know, they want one in their travel bag and then they want one by their nightstand and they don't want to have to like forget to bring it. Because if you're used to sleeping with a night guard and you like are in a hotel and you forgot it, it's kind of a stressful situation. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you feel those teeth grinding away. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to branch upon is also your automation skills. Like you showed me like, uh, I guess it was one of your customer experience people utilizing mm-hmm. kind of the flows they have. Like, how do you determine when you want to automate something? How do you kind of find these opportunities for automation, especially when you've grown your team to nine people? Like, how do you bring that into your company culture so they automate mm-hmm. versus, you know, it all coming from you? Yeah, uh, great question. So I don't think we are kind of the best at this, but we've done some things to try to make it part of the culture. So we use kind of a scorecard for each role within the company. And I think it's from Who, right? Like the book. Anyway, so every position has these core outcomes. And then we also have like some stretch outcomes. That's, I think, something I added. So like core outcome for a customer you know, service person is they like, you know, are able to follow all the processes, answer customer inquiries, and like provide a great experience. And then a stretch outcome is like they spot opportunities for improving the existing process, making it more efficient. And then they bring it up or like make suggestions. And then the customer service manager, we call customer service customer happiness. So everyone is a customer happiness officer or a customer happiness manager. They are also, that's one of their like stretch outcomes. So when we talk about it in, you know, their reviews, we'll talk about, hey, what have you suggested this year or this quarter on the improvement side of things? So it's a very built into the role, even though it's a stretch role, like they're not going to be kind of negatively impacted or disciplined if they don't accomplish the stretch goal, but the stretch goal is there for them to reach for. So that's been really helpful. And then I think we just kind of got lucky with some very proactive employees as well. Like one of them, she started off doing like, I didn't ask her to do it. She just like found some processes and she was like, oh, I can make an Excel script to make this way faster. One of the examples was like, we have these Amazon orders that come in that we have to track. And then because our product is not just you ship it on Amazon, like we sell on Amazon, but on Amazon, like they send the impression kit. And then we have to track the entire process of like impressions coming back and then getting the final product made and sending it to the customer. Like we have to track all of that. So she made a script that takes the download from Amazon and then populates it automatically in like the tracking Google sheet that we have. So I was like, oh, wow, she's really good at this stuff. So then I showed her some more tools. For example, one of the tools we use is Integramat, which kind of is like Zapier, but I think it's a little bit more powerful. And it's like a building block, no code platform that allows you to, yeah, like string things together. like you know, like a thing in Google Sheets can kick off an email or kick off, you know, an API call to your big commerce store and change the status of your order, something like that. I think it's like, 
you know, I, I don't think I have this brain for automation at all because I almost feel like you have to find the things that you're repeating on a regular basis. And then how do you build the tools to automate it? And I, like in my frustration, I just feel like the time it takes to automate things, I'm just like, ah, well, it's not going to have enough. I just kind of do it one off. But, you know, eventually it does kind of become a time burden. Yeah, How do you know, like, where is that right fit between automation and just like, you know, ad hoc doing it or, or one off doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, I don't, again, I don't think we're like the best at this. So I don't know if like my answer is the right answer, but usually it actually comes from the people doing it day in and day out. Like nobody likes doing repetitive tasks. And if they bring it up, it's probably because like it's repetitive and they're kind of, you know, looking for a better way to do it. And if it's not, you know, if they only do it like once or twice a week, it's probably not painful enough for them to like really think hard about it, to bring it up, to suggest an automation. So most of the things that get suggested are something that could save like, you know, like in aggregate several hours a week of just manual work. Yeah. Kind of want to segue here. You know, this is a Pro Teeth Guard is a family business. Like you mm-hmm. have a relationship. It was your mom's business that she started? or Yeah. So my mom started the dental lab more than 10 years ago. So she, you know, it was very small. It was her and I think one or two other employees and they service local dentists. And then we started Proteeth Guard, the e-commerce side in 2012. Okay. Like how much of the total business is through e-commerce and how much of it is like, I guess, is it local dentists that you work with? Mm-hmm. So initially it was, you know, local dentists and e-commerce, but I think since maybe like, actually it was after COVID because during COVID, a lot of the dentists shut down. And by that time, it also became a smaller part of the business. I would say like probably, I don't know, like 5% of the overall revenue, something like that. Yeah. Let me think. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. I think it was around there. So we just were like, hey, let's focus on the e-commerce side. Um, so currently, it's 100% focused on Pro Teeth Guard. The dental lab just services the e-commerce business. Are you guys working with any kind of dentists to almost as affiliates as a way to grow your revenue that way? Great question. So we do work with affiliates, but almost all of our affiliates are online businesses. So for example, Sleep Foundation, it's like a big sleep review site, the review mattresses and other stuff. They're one of our big affiliates, but we don't work with dentists directly as affiliates. Some like physiotherapists or other people have, I think, sent us customers but for dentists, it's more profitable for them to make the night guard because they charge like $500 or $700. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're selling, I don't know, you know, you're selling the same thing, essentially, they're unlikely to refer to us. Yeah, I would imagine maybe there's dentists who, because I've never been offered a night guard from my dentist oh, in okay. 40 years of living this world. And, you know, I just assume that maybe the Dentists don't think of that as a business model. It's not their core competency. It's not something they really push. They don't really sell like electric toothbrushes or anything like that either. You know, so mm-hmm. I just figure like it's a low effort way for them to be able to kind of sell the product and also like bring value. Because I imagine there are dentists out there who are maybe a little more frugal or they cater towards a more cost conscious customer. And then here mm-hmm. you can say, hey, look, you know, like, most dentists are going to charge you 500 bucks, but I care about your budget. You can go to Pro Teeth yeah. Guard, get it for, you know, no more than 200 bucks and save you 300 bucks. Yeah. And then he has a loyal 
or she has a loyal client because they just help save yeah. bucks. That would be nice. But typically the way that dentist offices work is they have a local dental lab that they work with for all of their dental appliances. So a dentist will offer like implants, crowns, bridges, like false teeth. And that same lab that they work with, typically it's local, will also make night guards. So it's like they already have an established supplier with like a wholesale price that they can just take the product and offer to their customer at a, you know, like the dentist price. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot, JP. (laughs) Well, what do I know about the industry? Absolutely nothing. That's for sure. So walk me through like the relationship style of like working with your mother. Does that create strains on the business? Is that something that, you know, obviously uh-huh. you've been doing it 10 years. So you're uh, hopefully she still calls you your son. <laughs> uh, for sure. And it, it was a process, right? I think a couple of things that helped is one, you know, we definitely had disagreements, even like the 60 day, 110% money back guarantee. My mother was like, that's crazy. Like people are just going to take crazy advantage of that. And we're just going to get refunds all the time. You know, that hasn't really panned out to be true. Like that hasn't happened. So I think over time, you kind of gain a little bit of credibility with each other based on things that you stood for and and panned out. So that's one. The other thing is like having a clear separation of responsibilities. So she's very good at the technical side of manufacturing the product and making sure it fits perfectly. So she's in charge of, you know, the dental lab technician part of the basically product manufacturing. And then I'm in charge of, you know, marketing, customer service interactions, reporting on finances, and all of those things. So having that separation of responsibility has helped a lot as well. Yeah. Are are you all in the same area? You all like have a office that you work out of too, or... Yeah. So I'm based in LA, but our office is in San Diego. So it's about an hour and 40 minute drive for me to get down there. So I go there you know, on a monthly basis and everyone, except for the marketing team, the marketing team is remote. We have two people on the marketing team, so it's not huge, but everyone else comes into the office. Speaking of marketing, like what is your current marketing strategy? How are you getting in front of your intended audience? Yeah. So we started off very strong on SEO in 2012. And I think it was easier back then. So that was our like main channel for a long time, SEO and some Google ads, like Google search and shopping ads. But we've had our ups and downs with, you know, the <laughs> the Google algorithm. So we've had some, you know, updates that really like halved our traffic and over time then we like recovered. So SEO right now is maybe about 15 to 20% of our like traffic or sorry, not our traffic. The traffic is higher, 15 to 20% of our total revenue, um, attributed revenue. And then we have Google ads is still a channel. So like 10 to 15% Google ads. Affiliates actually has grown to be a large channel just because a lot of these affiliate partners we work with are kind of monsters at SEO, if you search like best mouth guard, best night guard, like best guard for teeth grinding, they're like the top one, two, three results. So affiliates are something like 25% of our current attributed revenue. And then the rest is like email marketing. We never cracked Facebook ads. You know, for a while we were running retargeting ads and that was okay. But even then, like after the iOS 14.5 update, even retargeting was unprofitable for us. So yeah, we probably spent, you know, the equivalent 
of a Honda Civic on Facebook ads and never really got a return out of it. Yeah, I can. Uh, you're preaching to the choir, man. We had to pull off in, in November, so I know that pain. What do you think is like the next channel that you're really excited about in terms of opportunity for growth? Do you feel like there are any channels you're not currently on that could make a significant impact? Yeah, so I think we have nailed down our content process pretty good, but so far our content process is like almost entirely geared towards written content for SEO, right? Like but the same questions and the same problems that people have around this topic, like they're looking for it in other places. They're not just searching on Google. So video is actually something that we're looking into, you know, like investing in basically like video on YouTube, on TikTok, possibly. I actually saw one of our competitors, they, you know, started a TikTok channel. I think it's just one of their employees because it's always the same woman in each one of the videos. And one of their videos about teeth branding on TikTok got over a million views already. And I was like, wow, okay, like, that's pretty interesting. There's this, have you heard of the YouTube channel called Dental Digest? No. Oh my God, I'm going to blow your mind, man. Like this, if I were you, I would do everything I could to try to like sponsor the heck out of this guy. My daughter watches this guy called Dental Digest. And (laughs) like, I know nothing about it, but the dude just gets like weird toothpaste and then like brushes his teeth with the toothpaste. He's tried all these different kinds of tooth. I I don't know. It's very formulaic. Guess how many subscribers he has. Oh, I don't know. Like 2 million? 8.7 million subscribers. Oh my gosh. It's just unreal. And then of course your product, like your product just fits right in with what he's selling with the whole dental stuff. And uh, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like why invent it, right? Why, why not just work with someone who already has it figured out and has an audience? And that might be a good approach on TikTok as well because there are people already creating interesting content. So yeah, we're looking to leverage like the TikTok creator marketplace to try some things out as well for video. Yeah, I mean, like I think obviously like He's got a formula and you could kind of either lean into that content and try to find something that fits for your audience. And I mean, I, I think about your business and like, you know, everything's like a clear mouth guard, right? Is there any options to do like tie dye or like kind of unique colors or playfulness or just like, you know, like gold teeth or, or maybe not gold teeth, but like rainbow color teeth or something like that? Uh, I'd have to look into it because the materials that come in are from like dental lab manufacturing, like for dentists, like that type of material, and they don't really prioritize personality, but it could, I think it'd be doable. Yeah. P- potentially. Yeah. Cause I mean, I just think about like in the world of TikTok and like, you know, a, a clear mouth guard is probably going to be harder to produce content on than some kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I got this new rainbow mouth guard and you know, fangs <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, some kind of like accessorizing of it or something that makes it stand out that that people will just be like, oh. uh-huh. or glow in the dark. Oh, or, dude, yeah, uh, glow uh, in the dark would be perfect. LED lights for the people who who are going to festivals. Yeah, black light <laughs> and grinding their teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that could be a totally new. Audience. <laughs> That's a real issue. Yeah, yeah. All the people doing Molly and <laughs> you know comes with a free like uh, Camelback to stay hydrated. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think, you know, there's so many cool opportunities that, you know, like it'll be interesting to see like where you can take the business into the future with, you know, like just doing things that people aren't doing, I think is always the way to go, you know, because it's hard to compete with those VC backed companies that are just going to be able to buy and suffer on Facebook longer than you probably can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the case. I did look up some of our like more recent competitors and you can see on TechCrunch they had, I think like early stages of funding, but still like that's a totally different approach to spending money once you have like venture capital. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I guess this, uh, this is a final question. It's more about your product than the business, but braces, does that present an issue for this or can you go after teens and stuff like that? So typically if they are going through like the braces process, we don't really recommend a custom night guard for people who are very young because their mouths are still developing and growing. And it's really expensive to like get a custom night guard fitted every like three months or something as your mouth grows. So typically, like, you know, they would use some sort of like over the counter ones that's loose fitting, that's not that comfortable, but it's cheaper. People who are older who have braces are able to wear a night guard either A, over the braces or Actually, if they have like the Invisalign type of braces, it's kind of like a natural protection already because it forms a barrier between their teeth. So usually after they're done with braces, they might, if they grind their teeth, they might look into a night guard. Yeah. Where can uh, people learn more about you? Where can they buy your products? Where can they reach out to you? Yeah. So our website is Pro Teeth Guard, spelled exactly how it sounds, P-R-O-T-E-T-H-G-U-A-R-D.com. So that's our e-commerce website. I've actually been getting more active on Twitter. It's a pretty interesting space, a cool space to like connect with smart entrepreneurs. So you can find me on Twitter at my full name, which is Jingping G, J-I-N-G-P-I-N-G-J-I. There you go. JP, thanks for coming on to e-commerce conversations. I hope you guys learned as much as I did, the tools that he shared, the processes that he've built, very enjoyable. Thanks for sharing. This has been another e-commerce conversations. Cheers. Keep on growing. Thank you.